right. Well, um, I'll never apologize for showing kids' videos during big church um, because that's what we're talking about. It's practical teaching. That's the kind of thing our children need to work through and learn about and apply to their lives, and we're no different. And so it's fun for us. It's a deep breath before we uh, um, talk about the serious things, but really, it's all the same, right? So last week, we kind of shared, um, started this uh, series called In Plain Sight, and we're talking about different parables that Jesus shared throughout his ministry. Um, and uh, we, we talked last week about the parable of the two men praying. And uh, we saw two people's attitude towards uh, God and their attitude towards men and towards prayer. We had the Pharisee who is self-righteous and self-reliant, self-seeking, uh, a proud religious leader. And uh, then we had the tax collector who was hated, really, by every individual uh, because of his job. And he, uh, he was humbled because of his sin. And he recognized that he needed to repent. And he wouldn't even get close to the place of prayer because he knew that he needed God's mercy. And we shared that we want to stay out of Pharisee mode, right? We don't want to get into that, into that rut of um, where we look down on people or we compare our lives to others. Or even worse, we compare our sin to other people's sin. Well, God, I, I know I did this, but do you know what they did type of thing. And uh, we want to stay away because we're just not as bad as those people. And uh, that's Pharisee mode. But what we want to be is more like a tax collector in, in that mindset where we recognize that we are sinners. And our sin is the only thing that our sin is the only thing that we need to worry about and focus on. And um, in seeking God's mercy because of our sin. And that was our prayer. The prayer of the, the tax collector was, God, give mercy. Forgive me, a sinner. And we talked about what mercy looks like. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve, right? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So Jesus used these practical teaching uh, methods to, um, to just extend the gospel and put it in a, in a way, a word picture, that people could understand. And he would use the simple everyday life things. When he was with fishermen, he talked about fish. When he was with uh, farmers, he talked about soil and seeds. And when he was with shepherds, he talked about fish. And, or, no, shepherds were sheep, right? And so um, he used these parables, a parable which uh, by definition is just a simple story used to illustrate a spiritual lesson. That's what the dictionary says. Uh, growing up as a kid, I heard it as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And that's what I learned in kids' church, even though we didn't have that when I was a kid. Um, Sunday school, that's where I got it. And then I got spanked twice a day during big church. So that's why, that's why we have kids' church, so they learn progressively, right? Um, so these parables, they're loaded with different uh, just 
awesome little morsels of, of God's kindness and love. And they share about the kingdom of God. They share about the judgment of God. And they share about the grace of God. All three things um, uh, throughout each of the 39 different parables that Jesus taught. And we've, we've talked about it a little bit um, that they're loaded with five different things. Parables are practical. Okay, that Jesus would just teach this simple truth, and he would uh, get everybody to try and understand in their context, right? Uh, the stories that he told were appealing to the audience, the people that he was talking to. Like I said, if he was talking to farmers, he, wouldn't, uh, he would talk about soil or seeds. Um, the stories all made a point. There was a moral, if you will, at the end. They were relevant to the day. Um, they, they surrounded things that would have been meaningful to people in the terms that they could understand best. And lastly, God makes an appearance. There's a God figure. There's a God theme in each of the parables. And so today, we just turn the page to a new parable. And you saw on the, on the video which one that is, the parable of the great feast. And before we start to unpack that today, uh, first of all, we're, uh, we'll find this in Luke chapter 14. If you want to turn in your Bibles today and your scriptures, if you want to pull that up on your phone, however you get the scriptures at church, um, and uh, that's in Luke chapter 14, um, and we'll read that in just a moment. But when we unpack a parable, when we look at these kinds of stories, we want to ask a few questions just to kind of get our, uh, our hearts and our minds moving. Who's involved? When Jesus tells a story, just who, who are the characters? What's, what's going on? Um, what's the focus of the story? Like what object lesson is he using? What object is he physically using? And then what, what happens in the end, right? What's the end game? And so the parable of the great feast, uh, just leading up to this, just a little context before we read the, the story from the scripture, Jesus, um, he was invited to a, a feast, by a very prominent Pharisee. One of the religious leaders invites Jesus to his house. And so right there, there's, there's, a, bit of a, um, there's a bit of an issue, right? This, this Jesus who is teaching people in different ways and, and saying different things. The, the Pharisee, who is the religious leader, the established person, had better status, more influence, more power. He invites Jesus to be a part of his, uh, of his feast. And in the Pharisee's eyes, this would have been a big deal. That he's stooping so low as to invite Jesus to be a part of his, uh, of his feast, because Jesus wasn't in the club, right, in the Pharisee club. He didn't get to be there. Um, he didn't have the influence and the power that they thought that he did, uh, that he thought that he did, and that he possessed. And so the meal takes place on the Sabbath day, which is not a huge deal because they're preparing it ahead of time. And, uh, but on the way to the meal, Jesus heals a man. And that's a big no-no. We don't heal on the Sabbath. At least that's what the Pharisees thought. And whose house was he going to? A Pharisee. So Jesus heals this guy on the Sabbath, and it, it messes with all the Pharisees that were following him because they were invited too. And um, so he heads into the Pharisee's house, and Jesus just kind of sits in the back, and he's watching everybody. And just seeing how everybody's kind of jockeying for position and where they're going to sit and who's going to sit by them. I envision this at like middle school lunchtime all the time, right? 
That's the way it is, probably high school too. But uh, we're just kind of looking to sit next to the cool kid or, or the uh, star athlete or whatever and be their buddy. And basically, everybody was trying to get the attention of the host to um, sit in a place of honor. And they were seeking to be recognized. And, and Jesus, he shares a little pre-parable um, story, maybe a, 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 a prequel, if you will. That he tells this little quick story and, and about how, though, how you should choose your seat when you go to a, an event like this. And what the focus should be on. Because you're not necessarily the guest of honor at every feast. You're invited, so that helps. But you should have a least of these type of attitude. And that the host should be the one that comes to you and elevates your position and recognizes you. And he does this to to give a little foreshadowing for the story that, that is to come. And uh, so Jesus is definitely not on his home court in this situation, right? He's in the house of a Pharisee, which could be considered an enemy, if you will. And uh, so all the eyes, uh, when Jesus walked into the room, would have been right there. Oh, what's he doing here? Does, does, he's in the wrong place, surely. Does the person, does the, the, the Pharisee holding the, does the host really know who he invited to be a part? And does he know what he just did? He just healed a guy on the Sabbath. And so here we go, the parable of the feast, the great banquet, if you will, in, in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, and he's referring to how Jesus talked about how you choose the place that you sit at. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied. Those two words are simple, but this was the crack in the door that Jesus needed to tell the story that he needs to tell right here. And and so Jesus replies to this statement that blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. So this is Jesus' opportunity, and here's what he says. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and inviting many guests. At the time of the banquet, he, spent, he sent the servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just, uh, I've just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out, so please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. I can't come. So he's the best one. He just flat out said, I can't come, all right? I just got married. Probably the wise choice, by the way. Another, uh, oh, so the servant came back, and he reported to the master. When the owner of the house became very angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, your servant said, what you have ordered me has already been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in and so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these who were invited will get a taste and my banquet. So this is the word of the Lord today, of the Feast of the Great Banquet. And so well, who's involved, right? There's a lot of people involved in this one. Last week there were just two. We had a tax collector, we had a Pharisee, and they were praying. Well, today we have a certain man 
That's how it leads off. A certain man, he's the host of the, of the party. And then there's the servant. Okay? He's the messenger. He's like the first century Evite guy. Because in those days, they, didn't, um, they just spread the word verbally. And if you were going to prepare a feast, you might tell them, oh, if you were having a Saturday night party, if you were going to have a feast on Saturday, you would probably tell everybody lunchtime-ish around on Friday. Hey, prepare for this. Kind of a save the date, if you will. But it's just, hey, tomorrow around lunchtime, this is when we're having this. And that's how they would, that was how they would invite people and prepare. Okay, I'm going to come. I'll be there tomorrow. And then when everything was ready, like it said in the, when, when everything was ready, the servant went out. And then he said, okay, it's time. It's ready. Everything's good. Be there in 30 minutes. Okay, that's kind of how the culture worked. So there was the servant who was the messenger. There was bought a field guy, okay, the first excuse. Bought an ox guy, okay, and just got married guy, all right? So three excuses, uh, the host, the messenger. And then there's more. There's the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And then there's the foreigners out in the countryside. So a lot of people involved because, you know, it's a big party. And so the focus of the story is the meal, right? It's the feast, but it kind of has two focuses. The, the meal is important because it's what draws us together, right? It draws them together. But um, the other part that was huge was the guest list. And uh, if you've ever been married and you put that whole thing together, and that's a big deal when you're on the, who's going to be on the guest list, right? Who are you inviting to be a part of your big day? And this is kind of the same thing. So that's the focus. The meal Secondary, but who is coming to eat the meal? That's the most important part. And then what happens in the end, right? What's the real world ending to this? And not everyone, basically, it, it's, it's Jesus saying not everyone invited to follow Jesus will do it. That's the idea. Sometimes they'll find a different thing. Sometimes they'll, they'll get a little different priority. Maybe they'll just put it off. But the key here is everyone is invited, no matter who you are, no matter your social status, no matter your physical status, doesn't matter uh, who you are, everyone is invited. So this situation, let's dig into it a little bit. Why prepare a banquet? Why are we having a party? What's the big deal, right? This feast, it's an important event in first century culture, okay? It's more status-related, maybe politically related, maybe just a, a big social event, and it proved a few things, right? It proved that, first of all, I have the resources to feed a whole bunch of people. Well, in those times, that was not normal, okay? And in these times, necessarily, it's not normal. You go to the pantry, and you can barely find enough food to feed your family sometimes. I get it. So this, this was a, a matter of finances, that I have enough resources to feed a whole bunch of people. And the guest list was very important. And uh, it was an honor just to be invited, to be a part of it. And um, kind of explain how it goes. And this, uh, this invitation would assume that you would be there. You had plenty of time. You have at least a full day of lead time before um, the event happened. And that would be plenty of time. Maybe to now we would give a week or two so we can get on our calendar and kind of shape what's going on around our lives and fit it into their lives. That's the way things go now. But um, it would be very important that if you were invited, it was assumed that you were coming. And it would be disrespectful not to show up. And the more you decline those invites, the less they would come. Okay. 
And so um, all those in attendance, they, they would have understood. They, they, Jesus is telling this story in a house full of people that would have been given these feasts, that would have these parties planned for a while. And so they would have been tracking right along. Oh, yeah, if they, if they shoot me down, I'm not going to invite them again. No way. And um, they better not ask me because I'll, I'll not come to their party either. And so Jesus, he tells his story and he sets the scene. The first invite goes to just bought a field guy. And he makes this real estate deal. He buys a field. Probably important, okay? And again, he has the resources to do something like that. That's a big deal. And so that's why you want him to come. And you want him to be a part of your, of your special day. But he says, he need, i got to go check out the field. And so how many of you would buy real estate um, without actually seeing it? Okay? Um, maybe at least on Zillow, right? You'd check it out. Uh, we, uh, Angie and I bought a house one time over FaceTime. Um, and... It was just, it all worked out good, and we went and actually saw it later. But um, So we were kind of close to buying it without seeing it. But this guy buys a field, and um, he says, well, I just got to go look at it, right? Kind of a weak excuse, but maybe it was a big deal. Who knows? And then there's a second invite. Just bought an ox guy. Okay, Angie and I have never bought an ox. But um, someone, he buys some livestock, okay? And he needs to go check out his new New, new oxen and see, make sure they're good. How many of you would buy livestock? Some of you have purchased livestock in this room. As a kid growing up, I would go to the, the sale barns with my dad. And we would see, why do you go? You go to check them out, right? You go and see if the cows are going through there and it's only got one eye and, you know, two legs. You don't buy the cow. So he would have known what the oxen was like, okay? He would have been able to, I didn't know, okay, I want to buy those. Unless he had so much money, he just didn't care, okay? And most of the time in those days, that didn't happen. So i got to go check out my purchase. Well, did you not know about that yesterday? You were probably buying them yesterday. And so he doesn't show up either. And then there's, uh, I just got married guy. And this one probably made the best decision, honestly. If you just got married, probably not going to go to somebody else's party. Uh, can't explain that one to your, your new spouse, right? Uh, this is a huge life-changing decision. He kind of gets a pass, but again, he knew about it yesterday. He got informed on Friday afternoon. It's now Saturday afternoon. He didn't just find a, a, a wife and get married in a day. Now, in those days, it could have been arranged, but it didn't happen that fast. He would have known. He could have given them a heads up. Hey, listen, I'm getting married so not this time, next time, okay? So he doesn't show up. And the servant, um, he goes back and he reports to the master. Uh, Sir, nobody uh, is coming that said they were going to come. And uh, so the, the good servant, he's, uh, he's, being a, he's a self-starter. He's a, he's a problem solver. He's already gone out. And so the master says, hey, let's, let's go and get the, the lame and the crippled and the blind and the poor and bring them in. Let's feed them. Let's do this. We're going to have a full house. And the servant's like, I already did. Hey, I, I'm, I'm ahead of the game on you on that one. And so he does his job. And, and so the master says, okay, fine. Go out to the truck stop. Get out on the outside of town, right? Get the foreigners, the, the people out in the countryside, and bring them in. Make sure they know that they're welcome. It's going to be a great feast. We want you to be here. 
And they wanted, he wanted them to know that they're all welcome. And the servant, he goes back out. And uh, he already had the poor and the cripple and the lame and the blind. And they were a part of this party. And then the rest come. And he just needed to know he, he, that that line that Jesus says uh, in, in verse 22, that, that you or, what you've already ordered me, I've done, but there's still room. There's still room at the table. And because the room wasn't full yet, and they had gone to all this trouble to prepare a feast, that it would have been a, a travesty if all that went to waste, right? The master wanted as many people to enjoy his invitation. And he wanted them to know that everyone was welcome to be there. So what about the excuse brothers? The just bought an ox guy. Um, or just bought a field guy. It, do you ever have a lame excuse to get out of accepting an invitation? You don't have to raise your hand. Just think about that one. And you probably thought about four. Okay? And, and are you like just bought a field guy, right? Mean, um, just going to look at the field. Is it going to change tomorrow? Okay? If it's full of rocks and holes and nothing is valuable on it, it's, it's going to be the same tomorrow as it was today. You don't need to go look at it right now. But he did. The others, they had the same kind of a lazy excuses too. Of, or they just didn't want to go. There's, there's all kinds of reasons that people turn things down, right? Um, but what's, what is Jesus getting at? So he tells his story and um, he says, listen, there's three guys that kind of put, put it off, and then we filled the table anyway. And it was a bunch of people that nobody had any status, nobody had any power, no influence. You name it, they didn't have it, but they got to come anyway. What's the end result here? That there are people in our lives, maybe, maybe even us to some extent, that neglect to value the invitation that God has extended to us. And maybe there, there's different ways that we approach that. Maybe it's in the form of service, right? Uh, we're open to serving. We want to be a part. I want to help in the church. I'll help in the kids' area. I'll do whatever I can when it's convenient for me, right? Um, and maybe we're okay with volunteering when it fits our life and things like that. But um, I'll, have, I'll have a reason. I won't call it an excuse because that's a little hard because we all have stuff in our life that fills up our schedules, and we literally have no time to help. But when we do, we should, right? Maybe, maybe we miss this in, in the form of attendance, just being here, right? And um, please know this. Uh, we, these, these meetings, this gathering is not the point of the gospel because you can do a whole lot more work outside of these walls at 1045 on Sunday. This right here is an opportunity for us to get refreshed, to give what we have back to God in lots of different ways. And I think that the pandemic probably shared with us that we don't have to be in the room to be a church and to love and to be a Jesus follower and show them the love of Christ outside of in our community than what happened when we had to shut down. We weren't here for 12 weeks. But life still went on. Ministry still went on. People's lives were still impacted. And we weren't here. So 
Um, when I talk about attendance, it's really not specifically this time right here. Now, there's a lot of empty chairs. It would be awesome if they were all full, wouldn't it? You know? And we had to push, you know, push things together and add a few more, whatever it took. Now, if, they're, if we're going to fill up the church, great. But the idea is that, um, that we're seeking to grow and taking that next step of faith. And a lot of times, the next step of faith is coming and making that a priority. And sometimes we just don't. We overlook the importance of what God can do when we show up for him. Because Jesus showed up for us already. And we kind of miss that opportunity when we show up, uh, when we don't show up for him. And there's a time and a season for missing. I get it. And our schedules are nuts. Um, I'm not condemning people for not coming to church. That's not the idea at all. What I'm saying is when you have nothing to do and you choose not to come, that's the idea. Okay? That our heart is in the right place, that we come and we serve and we're seen by God and we show up for him. That's a good thing, right? So whatever the circumstances, we don't want to show, uh, we don't, <coughs> when we don't show up, when the invitation from God is given, we miss out. The blessing of knowing that he is with us and that reminder of the things that he does for us. Those are the kind of things that we said, we heard those things today, testified about how life's hard and life attacks us in lots of different ways, doesn't it? But God's with us. And even in the middle of those hard times, it's hard to see, but we still get up every day. And that's, that could just be God saying, it's time to get up and go. I'm here with you. And he puts his arm around us, and he takes us where we need to go until we get to a breathing spot where we can just exhale and say, thank you for the blessings you've given to me. And Jesus is just telling us the same thing is going to happen someday in heaven. That there are those that will um, they'll, they'll just kind of blow off the ultimate invitation that Jesus gives us. And we miss out on eternity in heaven because we had to go buy a field and check it out. When we didn't make it a priority to serve and to follow and to be the person that Jesus asks us to be. And there are those that, that think that the invitation is not meant for certain people. So we don't even extend it. We just, we're not even going to ask them, right? That those type of people, whoever that is, are not worthy of the invitation that God is putting out there. But Jesus tells us that even the least of these are going to place, are going to have a place at his feast in heaven. And where uh, we show up in this story, it, it's, it's important. Where you and I show up. Are we the servant who's doing the invitation, who is inviting uh, for the master? Or are we just bought a field guy or just got married guy? And, and where we show up is very important. And let's not be the one with the excuses when we stand before God. And let's not be the ones that think that heaven is only for a specific type of person. Because when we do that, it totally devalues the sacrifice of love that Jesus extended to us on the cross. Let's be the ones that do the inviting. Let's be the servant in the story. Let's, let's be the servant doing the master's will 
and fill up the table. There's still room. I've invited all these people, all the least of these, the, the crippled, the lame, the, the blind, and the poor, and there's still room. So what is God telling us to do? Go get some more. Go a little further, okay? Get, go further than your front yard. Go further than your school. Where, go further than your job. Let's find a way to go find some more because there's still room to fill up at the table. And Jesus is extending this invitation to come to his feast. So Jesus followers, we have a big responsibility in this to share his love with other people. To, to make him a priority in our lives. And sometimes that looks different for all of us. Sometimes it's a, a season of serving in the church. Maybe it's a, a time of um, worship for you in the church. When you come and you just, you're being blessed by God so much that this is the time that you have. You, this is your exhale. And that's fine. That's great. But we need to make him a priority in our lives to carry the gospel to everyone that we come across. And we're going to do one of two things. We're going to carry it to them or we're going to carry it away from them, right? By the way that we talk, the way we interact, the way that we react to people. It says a lot about who God is in our lives. So this parable reminds us that we, we cannot neglect the invite. Personally, every single day, I cannot neglect the invite that is being extended to me. To, grow, to take that next step of faith, to keep growing closer in my relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot go one day. It needs to be a priority day after day to make the decision to follow Jesus with all of your heart. And that, that we can't keep it to ourselves. And that we end up sharing, that we be the inviter. And, and people, as long as the table is empty or not full, that we need to ask people and we need to invite them to be a part of the kingdom. And we need to continue to invite more and join us. And I'm fairly certain, because, because I'm fairly certain that, that heaven doesn't have a max, maximum occupancy, right? Okay, there's only so many people we can put in this room, but uh, they'll just prepare more. He's preparing a place for us right now. He'll just keep building. And we just need to keep filling the table. That's the idea. So let's never be the ones that give people the excuse to walk away. And, and we do that by the way that we love or we don't love. And we do that by the way that we react or we don't react. There's a lot of ways that we can be the ones that give people an excuse. We don't want to be that person, right? Let's be the ones that are extending the invitation to everyone that we encounter. And uh, that we're inviting them to participate in a feast. Um, and we are today as well. Um, we are, we're provided uh, today with a feast called, that we call communion. And um, we ask that, uh, um, that this invitation to participate in communion is just one more reminder of this feast that we're invited to. It's a reminder of what Jesus Christ did for us. On the cross so many years ago. And uh, so, um, Dylan, can you come up and just kind of play a little bit um, during this time? Um, communion is a sacrifice of the Christian faith, right? That, that where we just reflect on Jesus' sacrifice for us. And um, it's made for us 
so that we celebrate the victory that, that he has over sin and death in his resurrection. That's the idea. And, and he does this. Uh, churches all over uh, the world do this in remembrance of him. Christians all over the world do this in remembrance of him. Again, it doesn't have to take place in a room like this. It can take place in a nursing home room. It can take place in a hospital room. It can take place in a park. It doesn't matter. The, the elements that we use are just symbols, okay? And there's nothing special about the, the grape juice and the little styrofoam wafer thing that we're going to take, right? What is important is what it represents in our hearts, in the physical act that Jesus distributed for us on the cross, the ultimate love that we could receive. So here um, at EFC, uh, we, we practice what we call open communion. It does just doesn't mean anything special other than you don't have to be a member to take communion here at the church. Um, and if you choose not to participate in, in communion, that's fine. And maybe there's all kinds of questions you have that surround this sacrament. And I understand. And so as the, plate, the plates are passed, if you, just don't, if you choose not to, that's fine. Um, and, you know, if you, if you have your kiddos with you, parents, that's uh, hopefully a discussion that you've had with them. But uh, we leave that part up to you. If, if your kiddos are prepared to, to receive communion, that's fine. We just leave that up to you. And uh, so while the trays are passed, um, if you've been asked to help serve, if you could come on down and prepare yourself, um, we're going to pray and then we'll pass out the elements. If you could just hold those, uh, the, the cup and the little wafer until uh, everyone has been served and we're all back, we'll, we'll take communion together as a family. Okay, let me pray for us. And then in the time that the plates are being passed, I just ask that you sit and reflect in the blessing that you have and the great thing that Jesus did for you in dying on the cross. Let's pray. Father, as we come today, God, we just ask for your blessing. As we remember what your son Jesus did for us on the cross to give us the ability to bridge the gap between that, uh, of sin that separates us from you and to be an atonement for that sin. And Father, we just praise you today for the power that you have over death and hell and sin. And we give us, we just, we give you our lives today. And we ask, Father, that you bless this. Be with us now as we reflect on your love and your grace. 